Welcome to Farcast. Now here's your host, Michael Farr. Welcome to the Farcast. I'm Michael Farr. It is a sunny, lovely day in Washington, D.C., and it's about damn time. Ah, markets have been all over the place. Economic data has been a little bit back and forth. Uh, we have a great forecast for you this evening, a terrific forecast. Kenny Polcari is going to be with us as we uh, uh, get the week uh, kicked off here. And then Kenny and I, actually, I've got to go up to New York on Friday. I'm doing the uh, halftime show for an hour uh, for CNBC. Then uh, Kenny and I are both flying down to Dallas, Texas, where we're speaking. God, what a love, lucky group of people to get Kenny and me down in Texas. But as usual, it's not that hard to get Kenny and me to show up. Uh, they pay us, and therefore we show up. In our second segment, we've got Leffingwell tonight on what's going on in Washington. We have questions from the Mueller uh, organization investigation that, that's been presented to the um, executive branch and President Trump and his lawyers. And apparently there is no way that the president's actually going to sit down and answer these things. But we're going to hear about that. We also got more follow-up. Now, last week, if you listen to the forecast, you heard that General Kelly, perhaps his chief of staff, was on the way out. We're hearing maybe more rumors of that. They're being denied. But don't believe the denials where there's a little smoke, there's a little fire. And then in segment three tonight, going on the economy, what's the real health of the consumer? Because on the forecast, we remind you that two-thirds of the U.S. economy is based on the consumer. Are they buying cars or are they not buying cars? This is a big-ticket discretionary item. Robert Orsman from the Orsman Automotive Group. And by the way, if you've watched any of his ads online, not only are they great ads, but they are really, really funny, and you need to, you really do need to Google some of them. We'll ask Robert about those. But what's happening in car sales? We got some weaker numbers on Wall Street today. Dow Jones Industrial Average still hovering above 24,000, S&P 500, 2650. And the 10-year Treasury, of course, we got above 3%. We're now below 3%. The Fed's meeting today. We get a report from them tomorrow. What does it all mean? Uh, direct from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, the managing director from O'Neill Securities, the talented, the dashing, the handsome, the articulate, you know, the charming, the women just go crazy when he's around. My very good friend, uh, much older than I am, Kenny Polcari. Welcome, Kenny. Michael, how are you? I'm just perfect. Absolutely perfect. Uh, What's get, going on? Well, you know, we got through the birthday and everything's okay. Tell me, so Kenny today was kind of a wild ride. I looked when I was, you know, early on and, and I thought stocks were doing fine and then not so much. Things really went south over the day. What was, what was, the, went, what was going on? South, on the, then they rallied, they went south, but then they rallied right back. The S&P actually closed positive. The Dow was still negative, but the S&P actually went from down 21 points kind of midday to, I think it closed up five or up six points. So, that was actually a fairly significant swing uh, in the last part of the day. And I'm not really sure there wasn't anything, uh, there wasn't any particular news event that caused it. But I think what happened is, once again, we continue to trade in this range, right? We've got resistance at 2686 on the S&P. We've got support down at the 2626 level. We keep churning right in between there. We test resistance. We fail. We back off. We test support. You know, we hold it and we trade higher again. And then we're continuing to see that, but what you're seeing is a pattern of lower highs, which is a downtrending line, and we talked about this last week. Lower so highs, a little okay, yeah. Concerning, right? Yeah, yeah. Lower as highs you, as the market as the market attempts to breach resistance. Each time it yep. does that, and it fails, and then the market backs off. And so this morning, going into uh, 
kind of a weak pre-opening. The futures were weak. Uh, there were a bunch of markets around the world that were closed, so a lot of them were taken out of the game today. Uh, the market kind of opened weak, and it, and it was lethargic, and then it fell out of bed. It got really kind of ugly there for a while as, uh, as there was all the talk about the Fed meeting, which started today. Certainly tomorrow's going to be the announcement. There won't be any change tomorrow by any stretch because it's not a meeting where there's a press conference. So the market's not necessarily concerned about a change tomorrow. But the market is concerned about what the message may be. Are they going to change their language? Are they starting to see stuff that's making them a little bit more nervous? So what do you, what do you think? It? Are they going to do that or not? No, I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to keep it the status quo. I don't think there's anything that's changed. Fed's not going to do anything. No. Well, tomorrow they're not going to do anything. You know, do I think they're going to change their language? No, I think they're going to continue to reiterate that they remain on this path, that, you know, they've got another two rate hikes in, in, the, in the foresight. Um, and unless something really changes, that that's the path they're going to take. And I think the market's okay with that. Look, like you said, yields went we went up above 3% last week where the market had a little bit of a nervous breakdown. Then we traded below 3% and the market kind of stabilized. It's trading right around here and churning. It's got to get comfortable with that 3% number. And I think it will. Um, and, I don't, and so, therefore, I think the market will hold at the support level. I don't think you're going to see this, this fallout. But you have to be just uh, cautious and aware of kind of the lethargic uh, action that you see happening, right? There's not a lot of leadership. Energy is really the only group that's leading at the moment. So right. that's not really an overall positive. So you just have to be aware. And we talked about energy on the forecast. We've done that before. We, we said that I still, we, you know, for why back in the fall, we kind of still like levels. We thought there was plenty of oil around, uh, but that yep. those companies really over the past year didn't do anything. In 2017, those energy stocks, the Exxons, the Chevrons, they really didn't do anything. And then the theory of a lot of guys like to try and hit them where they ain't, boy, that was a decent place. And, you know, some of those stocks with 3%, 3.5% dividend, I mean, you can make some money and wait there, I think. Anyway, yeah. it's, and, it's not and, been a bad thing. And those thing. stocks have acted well now. Those yeah. stocks are starting to act well. That's it's why bad. you have to listen to the forecast, really. I mean, not that we recommend stocks to buy or sell, of course, ever. But uh, so at 2% uh, on... Uh, Two percent on the PCE uh, number. Uh, so yep. this is this is a number that the Fed watches. It's a it's a price index. Um, it's like CPI, but it's it's the Fed's preferred number. So what right. we know is that the Fed has a target, right, Kenny, of two percent inflation. And basically, yep. basically, we just got a report that we got two percent inflation. So uh, is that a good thing? I mean, do you think they? I asked Mark Olson, who's been on the forecast before too. He's a former Federal Reserve governor. Yep. So I'm last night. I said, so does the Fed start to slow down? I mean, they've, they've given us all this talk about being data dependent. Do they slow down now that they've got their two percent? He said, absolutely not. They've got to stay right. out in front of the of, of inflation. They're still nervous about it what are you thinking well i think exactly the same thing because now it's hit that target they want to hit but now this is what's causing some of this angst because the fear now is all of a sudden is inflation going to rear its ugly head and start to really kick in and now next month or the month after are you going to start to see that pce number even tick up from there because look it's been a long time that it's been sub two percent and so now that it hit two percent i would think that the fed and this is the message you may hear, that the Fed is going to remain ever vigilant because what they're trying to do is get in front of it, not behind it. They don't want it to become runaway because then that will cause their moves to be more dramatic, right, and right. larger in increments. Right. So we don't want the Fed to get panicky. We don't want the Fed to overstep. We want them to kind of stay in place. Uh, and, uh, and I think that, you know, you think that, therefore, we can deal with this kind of 3% tenure now. The markets aren't yeah, going I crazy. 
No, I think that 3%, listen, even at 3% was still below the norm, right? And so, yeah, but don't you think it's a relative thing, Kenny? I mean, you know, I, I understand that historically it's a very low rate, but don't you think it's relative? I mean, uh, people are going to base their current economic behavior on what the price of money is today. So, I mean, you know, the, the people who are looking at money to borrow for cars or houses. I mean, mortgages now are getting back closer to or edging back up to 5%. I mean, people start right. to balk at that, right? Right. And that, well, and that is what's going to happen. So I think 3% is okay. I think, you know, if it starts to move, dramatically from there, then I think you'll see the, you'll see the brakes put on you. I think you'll see the market, the economy, uh, then start to really stumble or start to slow. Uh, but I don't suspect that's going to happen right away. I really don't. Listen, the market already knows that the Fed's going to raise rates two more times this year. That's not a secret. They've been talking about it. If you don't realize that or at least accept that fact, you've been living under a rock because they've been talking about it for a long time. Uh, so you have to expect at least two more rate increases this year. Um, and that alone may make you uncomfortable with the market is well aware that that's going to happen. doesn't mean the market's not going to back off because it could back off if all of a sudden all those rate hikes. Okay, but, 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 but Kenny, I got, a, I got a two to 10 spread now of 46 basis points. So what I'm saying, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, is the yield on the two-year Treasury right now is two and a half percent. Uh, which is that's that's big over the past few years. That's pretty high. The 10 year yield is two point nine six. So if you're willing to loan your money to the government for an additional eight years, they'll pay you point four six of one percent. So a, a lot right. of people, you might say, well, why would I do that? A lot of institutions are doing that. A lot of money's going out to that 10-year range. But at 46%, that yield curve's getting flat. If they add two more hikes on the short end at 25 right. basis points, Henny, Kenny, do they put us into uh, an inverted yield curve? That's that, is that, well, are, are they going to shove us into a recession? Is the Fed going to well, overstep? It would, it would go into an inverted yield curve if the 10-year doesn't move in sync with it, right? Tenure stays where it is, and the two-year is the only one that moves, then yes, we'll absolutely they'll invert the yield curve, which will typically be, you know, would signal a coming recession. Well, That's and so far, the two, so, so far, the two-year has moved up a lot faster than the 10-year. And then, now, last, I got a couple of things we've got to cover here because we're coming up to our time. But uh, last week, you said something very important, which was we weren't having huge volume on the down days, and so nothing there yeah. struck you as panicky. What was the volume like on the big dip today? Anything? It was not actually, actually, it was the volume was light again today. Uh, it was actually probably one of the slower days. Nothing that caused uh, you concern. It uh, doesn't cause you concern at the moment because it traded right down, it found its support, then it rallied right back. And the Dow would have gone positive today, too, except for Boeing, right? Boeing Apple had great earnings. Great, Apple had a great Apple, earnings at 20. At, do you know was, that they've beaten their earnings estimates 20 out of the past 21 quarters? I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. 20 it, out of 21 shot quarters. Up eight points. After and after I was trading, right? And it broke right through. Apple's been trading below the resistance levels. After this report today, that stock shot right up through every resistance level. So now it's on the north side of resistance, which now becomes support. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the market reacts to that, the broader market reacts to that news tomorrow. Again, my friend Kenny Polkari is talking about the technical side and technical analysis about historical trading patterns and when things have support and when they have resistance. But a lot of people follow this very closely. And William O'Neill and company has a couple of other relative strength indicators. This is uh, the group for which Kenny works, uh, Investors Business Daily and William O'Neill. Uh, uh, they made a lot of money. So uh, you kind of have to look at these. What does it mean to the broad averages, Kenny and hell, I'm getting out of time already. What does it mean to the broad averages that Apple's up that much overnight? What does that mean for our open tomorrow? What does that tell you about the day tomorrow in stocks? Well, certainly the NASDAQ names, right? And all the tech names are going to celebrate the fact that Apple had 
quote-unquote, such a good number. But be careful because the headline number was good. The stock traded right up. But upon further analysis, they didn't sell as many iPhones as they said they were going to sell. Ah. And so, therefore, you may see overnight as people start to digest that report that the, devil's is in the, the devil is in the details. So watch tomorrow. you got to watch Watch the trading action in Apple overnight. It shot right up, but it could back right off. Hey, have you noticed um, the rebound in Facebook, Kenny? Yes, Big I Big rebound in Facebook. Did you know that some of my friends were calling the stock Faceplant instead of Facebook? And I, I was told them I owned it. I mean, how anybody could do that when they know I already own the stock? I can't even believe it. I mean, how could you bet against Far for God's sake? But some people did. did. It's hard for me to believe. Did you see that they launched a dating app today, <laughs> Facebook, which is which killed Match.com, by the way. Dating but, app? Uh, of course I did. What do you think I'm doing at 7? We got. I mean, why do you think I'm on such a tight schedule here? <laughs> Hold on, Kenny. I need to write this down. What is the information? <laughs> <laughs> Boris, it's the only time Boris has looked up in the past 12 minutes. It's amazing. Yeah, I hear you. A dating app. Oh, good dating app. I want to find Ivanka. Yeah, everybody wants to find Ivanka and numbskull. All right. Hey, Kenny Polcari, you're the best from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. I'm, we're having dinner Sunday night in Dallas, baby. You ready? See you. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. We're going to be right back on the forecast with Leffingwell and what's going on inside Washington. Stick with us. We'll be right back on the forecast. You're listening to Forecast. This portion of the Farcast is brought to you by Far Miller and Washington Investment Council. Investment Council means we work for you. Our advice is tailored to you and to your needs and to reach your investment goals. At Far Miller and Washington, we believe money is hard to make, and we're going to work hard to keep it working for you. Now more with Michael Farr and the Farcast. Welcome back to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr. You're great to be with us each week. We had a great first section uh, uh, with Kenny Polcari here today and what's going on on Wall Street and the earnings. Boris, that is fabulous music. Is, is, uh, can you tell me, what's the name of that song, Boris? Well, this is a very popular song we played on Moscow Radio today because today is a very important holiday. Is in, it? Yes, did, it's May Day. It's in, May. Oh, yes, it is May that's Day. That's right. This used to be the day we would bring out the missiles in the tanks yes. in the Red Square. What do you bring out now? It's a tractor pull, I a think is what you call it. <laughs> yes. But uh, Vladimir Putin was on the radio this morning playing this song. It's uh. called, um, I think it's an American song originally called Don't Ask Ask me no questions, and I won't tell you no lies. It was dedicated to Don in D.C. To Don in D.C. That's right. Uh, to Don in D.C. Perfect. Well, that's terrific to ask me no questions. That's wonderful. Remember that Boris's greatest hits are going to be available on KTEL here later on the forecast. It's going to be a great stocking, stocking stucker. Anyway, uh, we've, got, we've got a great program still ahead. Uh, we have a, coming up right now, we're going to talk politics with uh, Matt Leffingwell, senior political analyst. Uh, and he's, he's uh, terrific, providing us wonderful insights. We've got so much to talk about. And then coming up as we talk about what's going on in the broader economy, Robert Orsman from the Orsman Automotive Group is here uh, with real, like, feet-on-the-ground numbers as to what's going on in our local economy. But, you know, Washington's economy is very broad. It's a very diverse economy. And what's happening with car sales here? There were some tough car sales numbers released this morning. Ford had tough numbers this morning, so we're going to get to that and what that means for the consumer. Uh, but right now, the great, the talented Matt Leffingwell from the uh, heart of the swamp. Uh, how, is, how is that swamp draining thing going on there? Well, Welcome, I, Matt. I, I, 
I'm actually physically in the swamp right now. I'm up on Capitol Hill at the moment. On Capitol Hill. So this is uh, okay. So this is a remote live report from live from Capitol Hill. I love it. Only on the yep. forecast. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, do you see when you're on Capitol Hill? Do you see like members of Congress and senators and congressmen just kind of walking around, or is it all lobbyists bumping into each other up there? It's just well, you know, as a lobbyist, it's just be bumping into a lot of other like-kinded people. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. That that really should be upsetting. Okay, what's what's hot on Capitol Hill right now? We've got to talk about Mueller. We've got to talk about General Kelly, and he thinks that the president perhaps might not be all that bright, and that he's saving the world. And then you know, we heard last week, uh, Matt that General Kelly is still, what we heard on the forecast last week was that General Kelly was out and John DeStefano is the man. So we need you to talk yeah, about that, and too. Yeah, and that's, you know, I think that's still accurate. I think it was backed up today by, you know, news that Kelly is being really pressured by the president to go over to the VA. I mean, he's obviously had, like, problems. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Kelly to the VA? Yeah. That's yeah, the that's he, what's happening? And then. Yeah, and actually, you know, look, it's like how does someone like General Kelly turn down, um, you know, that that kind of you know request by the president? If you're if you're a man like Kelly who's driven by service, that's going to be a request that's going to be nearly. Well, now wait a minute. He is chief of staff to the president, but he's chief of staff to the president of the United States. I mean, one could argue that that might be slightly higher level of service than the VA. Driven from he's driven by service. How how is it that someone like General Kelly? We say no from serving, you know, America's, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of veterans. I mean, this is somebody who is, you know, more than anything, he is being driven by service. So he is, I, I think he's going to have a really hard time being saying, saying no. He's already being marginalized by this administration, and by this president. So that would be an easy out and one that would be respectful of, of General Kelly. Okay, so that's you know. an easy out, though. I mean, because certainly if Kelly wanted to make the argument, he could say that, listen, I, I can do the veterans a, a lot more good uh, as chief of staff at the White House as I orchestrate the president's calendar and staff and everything than I can do actually sitting in the chair. But, uh, I mean, okay, so this gives him cover. It gives him any. So do you I, I think, think that that means yeah. that Stefano is actually moving forward? Are you hearing anything about that? I, I, I haven't heard anything more since last week, but I certainly, the, the news about Kelly is, I think really does reaffirm what I was talking to you about last week, which was. And nobody had know, heard anything about Kelly being out, except if you'd listened to the forecast because you heard it from Leffingwell here first. You heard it over a week ago. Left and right. Yeah, exactly. Leffingwell <laughs> got it. Yeah, we, we're always very clear when Leffingwell doesn't get it. Not that that ever happens, of course. <laughs> Perish the thought when Leffingwell could be wrong. Okay, so Leffingwell. Uh, uh, so, okay, so we've got this progress. So what, give me a time frame on Kelly out. I, I think, it, I think it, again, as they, as they said last week, I think you're looking at the next like month, month and a half. Um, by July, I would assume that there's going to be a new chief of staff in the White House. And you think July it's DeStefano? I am leaning that way still right now. Right now, he's the assistant to the president and counselor to the president. That's the, the, correct. Those yep. are his titles in the White House. Where is yep. his office in the White House? Um, it's awfully near the West Wing. I mean, is he over in the old exec, or do they actually keep him closer than that? No, no, no. He, I'm sorry. He is in the West Wing. He's in the West so Wing, is, yeah. Yes, okay. he's actually about, like, I would say 20 feet down from Kelly's office. Uh-huh. Okay. So, well, everybody can monitor everybody. Small. How convenient. It's, it's, yeah. very, it's a very cozy office space. 
Okay, so uh, now from the White House, we see that the president uh, has said that everyone agrees that there's been no collusion with Russia. Um, But it seems from the questions I read presented to the president that perhaps Robert Mueller does not agree that uh, he's not part of the everyone who does agree uh, that he thinks maybe there was by collusion, but m- maybe well, by people I, I, close. I think, I think there's the leak. The way to well, first of all, there's the why. There's the question is why were the questions leaked? Yeah, okay, and by that, whom? That, do you that, think that that did? Is, who, so, what do you think? Tell us what you're hearing. I really believe that that was that was leaked by the Justice Department. I think. Oh, you do. There, I, I really do. It had to have been. I mean, if you're if you're putting questions like that together. There's no way that those are like you know uh, socialized you know to a wide network. So it had to. I really believe that someone had to give the call to put those out in the media. Second, I think the other. Question, you don't think, think the think White the, House would have leaked those? No way. No. No way. way. Absolutely not. No, I do not. I do not think that the the Justice Department would have shared those questions with the White House, who they're essentially investigating. And then I think the purpose of why they did it was it was in order to get him to go on Twitter and, and perhaps disclose more information. Uh, really the theme they were just the, poking the, the hornet's nest, huh? Absolutely. Okay. Because, I mean, you know, that, that man can't keep his mouth shut. And so if you're going to put these very open-ended questions, and who knows if those are even the real questions. I mean, there could always be this bait-and-switch strategy by the Justice Department in this scenario, Right. Okay, so like, so, you could, uh, 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 so go ahead, go ahead. No, and I was going to say, like, look, have him put out more like damning evidence, like more damning, like you know, comments. I mean, well, the, the, but are, okay, but the big issue here for the president, the big stumbling block, as I understand it, with my limited understanding of of, of Washington and these things, is really an obstruction of justice kind of a exactly. charge. Yes. No. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, I mean, a lot of the questions are are related to Flynn, correct? Flynn and, uh, and 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 whether you know when uh, as to Sessions and the firing of James Comey, right? Correct, exactly. I mean, so the, the line of questioning there's it's thematic, and as it, it, you said, it is related to obstruction of justice charges, which are I think would be the most attainable for the you know special prosecutor at this point. So you you this this all makes sense. Well, okay. Does it make well? It, where where are these questions coming? Some of those questions were kind of detailed. I mean, there was a there was a lot of information in some of those questions leaked to the New York Times. Where are they getting? Where's where, where, where? I mean, somebody's talking, right? No, I th- I really believe those questions are coming directly from the Justice Department. I do. Okay, but I mean, they're getting. I mean, this is coming from their interview with Flynn, right? I mean, Flynn has cut a deal. In you know, I don't know if that's the case, but I think that there's some. You know, so some sort of informed line of questioning here in order to obtain an obstruction of justice indictment. And that seems to be where this is headed right now. I, I am going to go ahead and pause it because I have other folks whispering in my ear here in Washington, D.C., that uh, Mr. Flynn is a, uh, I mean, singing like a canary. Uh, <laughs> is, is what, I mean, he's copped a plea. Right. Michael Flynn has dropped a plea and apparently he is he has made uh, Mueller's job a lot easier. So now what are the so you've got all these questions. Trump had said he would be willing to sit down with a special prosecutor. What lawyer would ever let the president sit down, particularly now they've seen those questions. Does, does the president actually 
Uh, what have, I hear sirens in the background. Are they coming for you? I, 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 is there something we should capture live here? I think there the... are way too many people way ahead of the way ahead of that list. Uh, it could be crowded at uh, the DC jail tonight. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Lock up. People are wearing suits. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't help anything. Bring your breath mints. Um, okay, it gets long there and long nights there in the DC prison. Okay. Well, look, who am I telling? Um, okay. So now, uh, Mueller is moving, moving, moving forward. Are there, is there any chance that the president sits down with Mueller? Uh, I doubt it. I, I give it a very low probability. And could, I would think like Mueller, Mueller would be fired before the president sits down with him. Can, can the president actually be indicted by Mueller? Is that a possibility? No, it is not. I, I, I don't see him. I, you know, I mean, look, I want the you know, go check him with my facts. But I think that's highly unlikely. I, he's not the centerpiece of this investigation right now. It is, but I think... So this is really not about the president at this point? At this point, it's not. I mean, it's really about, like, the you know, collusion between members of the president's All right. you know, campaign staff, right? Um, but, uh, no, I don't, I, I don't foresee an imminent indictment of the president. Okay, no imminent indictment of the president. What else is hot on Capitol Hill as things seem to have gone reasonably quiet as we're getting ready to have this election in November? You don't hear Republicans or Democrats saying anything that might not get him elected. No, look, the the president's actually in a pretty pretty good shape electorally. You know, know, whether you agree with that or not, it's just a fact. Um, what do you mean when you say he's in good shape? We're out of time. What do you mean he's in good shape electorally? Does that mean if there was an election tomorrow, the president still get elected? His poll numbers are rising. Um, you know, Democrats are going way left into this election. But, it, you know, look, I mean, the House is still a toss-up. And I think still, you know, Republicans are still optimistic. The House is still a toss-up? Wait, wait, wait. Go back. Yep. House is still a toss-up? Yep, that's right. You're I mean, saying Republicans could still keep the House? No. Uh, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. I mean, I think it's anyone's... You're anyone's the first person I've heard say that. I, 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 no, even Republicans I, are burying Republicans. Wait, when has, Michael, when has anybody in Washington been right about the last few elections? Absolutely. They've gotten it all wrong. Well, Leffingwell has had most of it right, which is why he's on the forecast. Yeah, hey, that's right. Matt Leffingwell, we're going to talk to you next week. I want to know, next week we're going to talk about, I want you to explain exactly the electoral votes, why the president still has them lined up. Next week on the forecast, we're going to find out if President Trump could win next week if we held the election next week. And we also need to know uh, how the Republicans are going to keep the House. And if they keep the House, then Leffingwell's going to certainly tell me, aren't you, Leffingwell, that uh, we're going to, that the Republicans will keep the Senate. Yes, absolutely. So do you think that the Republicans keep the Senate no matter what? You're willing to say that right now? Uh, No, I'm not. (laughs) Well, there are a lot of of news cycles, Michael, before now in the election. There's the iron spine, Matt Leffingwell, we've come to know and love. Matt, thanks. This is awesome. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be back for Section 3 here just in a minute explaining what's going on on Wall Street, what's going on in Washington, and now in the broader economy. Robert Orsman's coming up. Stay with us on the Farcast. You're listening to Farcast. This portion of the Farcast is brought to you by Far Miller and Washington Investment Council. Investment Council means we work for you. Our advice is tailored to you and to your needs and to reach your investment goals. At Far Miller and Washington, we believe money is hard to make, and we're going to work hard to keep it working for you. You're listening to Farcast. Now, here's your host, Michael Farr. 
Welcome back to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr, and you are wonderful. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us again for another edition of the Farcast. That is a fabulous song, Boris. What's that song? You like this? this I love that song. I'm gonna start. I, I'm, I'm gonna be singing it in the car home tonight. I think this was a big hit in 1982. 1982. Yes, it was called Yuri. Don't lose that number. <laughs> It was by a young Boris Yeltsin whose group was called the Boris and the Babushkas. And the Babushkas. Yeah, they were a very, very big group back in the early were 80s. Were they really? Boris and the Babushkas. Were right. the Babushkas hot? Babu- well, not really. but Not, you know. not really, but popular because uh, Boris St- said they were. Standing next to Boris, they looked a little attractive. Well, yes. who doesn't? Yes. yes. All right. Thank you very much, Boris. Were you related to the other Boris? Uh, I mean, you know. I'm not allowed to say. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I understand. All right. Welcome back to the Farcast. Terrific show for you uh, this week. Uh, Kenny Polcari on what's going on in the markets. And, you know, when I listened to Kenny, he talked about some of the companies that were beating estimates. He's not seeing panic on Wall Street. He's seeing Wall Street digest 3% interest rates. And he's not seeing increased volume on these down days. So it does seem that the market's doing some backing and filling a direction towards weakness with some lower highs and higher lows, trying to mull around and figure out where its next break is going to be. But I didn't hear anything too dire there. And, of course, Kenny and I will be in Dallas speaking uh, to a very large group down there, a financial services conference uh, on the economy and markets for the balance of 2018. If you'd like (laughs) uh, Kenny and me to come and talk to your group, uh, please give us a call at Farm Miller in Washington. Uh, Harry Jennings can take care of that and line us up and get you on the calendar. Uh, we're expensive, but we're worth it in our own minds. All right. Now, uh, and we've covered, uh, we had a great section with Leffingwell. And remember, General Kelly, out is what Leffingwell uh, is saying. So I think that's kind of a, is kind of a big deal. And next, uh, I think he said kind of 30 to 45 days. Now, terrific guest. Robert Orsman from the Orsman Automotive Group. Um, Robert uh, is a graduate of the Rollins College. His uh, family owns over just around, over 30 stores, over 30 automobile stores in the Washington metropolitan area in Northern Virginia and Maryland. Um, the, it, it is a terrific story uh, of, of American enterprise, about 100 years old and uh, 19 different franchises. So while they might have a couple of Chevrolet stores and Ford stores, they represent 19 different brands at Orsman. So one of the things that we get in talking to a Robert Orsman at the Farcast is to uh, really hear how different brands and different areas all around the metropolitan area uh, are selling. He has direct responsibility for one of the uh, Chevrolet uh, stores. Uh, in Rockville. He's been doing this for about 10 years. Welcome to the Farcast, Robert Orsman. Thank you for having me. Uh, Really glad to have you. Really glad to have you. This is a treat. Uh, I've only known Robert since he was about four, so um, uh, which just makes me old, not him, just a promise. Robert, so tell us what we're seeing at at, uh, in your in your stores so far this year. How was 2017? How are car sales? What do you think's going on in the economy? So 2017 was was a really good year for us, and you know as we're in this year now, and I can speak with most confidence about Chevrolet because yeah. I'm currently running a Chevrolet store, and you know through through April now it's been it's been a really tough year for us, and we're seeing we're seeing a pullback, and that's not it's not every store, but Chevrolet for certain, um, we have some stores that are up a bit, some down, so it's 
It's, uh, it's uneven. Right. So 2017 was a really good year, right? Was that across all brands, all stores, everything? I mean, pretty much the rising tide lifted all boats? Yeah, it was a fantastic year. Fantastic year. Why do you think, what made it a fantastic year? Did you see anything? What were the signs? Why, why do people come out and buy cars when they do it? Obviously, rates have been, uh, have been low for a period of time, and, and, and oil as well. So you know, gas prices low and, and low rates is conducive to uh, a great retail environment. Great retail environments. And, and I think you would say probably that the consumers were optimistic, right? I mean, they, they were feeling good about spending some money. Oh, for sure. Okay. You know, there's a, there's a great uh, – Larry Summers gave this great example of a consumer buying a refrigerator. And he said, if you tell the consumer who basically wants to buy a refrigerator that the economy is going to improve uh, and things and energy prices are going to be low, they're going to go into – uh, I don't know where you buy a refrigerator now. Where Lowe's or somewhere? Not in not in uh, Moscow, Boris. We can't. Well, I know I know a guy out back with van. <laughs> guy out Whatever back you need, we get for you, Mikhail. Yeah, we have you some cars with them deal. too. So excellent. Uh, you know, they said you know when if you think the economy is going to be good and the energy price is low, you're going to go out and buy the fancy refrigerator with the through door water and ice and all whole bells and whistles. If I tell you that can same consumer that the economy is going to be tough and that energy prices are going to go up, they're going to buy the simple box-on-box refrigerator. It'll keep stuff cold, and that's all they're going to do, and they're not going to spend the money. But if you tell that consumer that you're not really sure that economy is going to be very different a year from now and energy prices are going to be very different a year from now, but you can't tell them where, they will not buy a refrigerator. So the, uh, the consumer's attitude, right, is a very big deal about whether they will, whether they won't, and if they will, what they will. So you, were you seeing higher-end, more options, more things on the cars that sold in 2017? Could you see that sort of a trend? Well, I think the confidence is certainly, you know, was there in 2017. And, and what people need to realize is, is a car is typically the the second biggest investment somebody makes and a household makes. Right. Obviously, a mortgage being number one, and then, you know, auto finance and, and buying a car number two. So you know, when there's optimism and, and when rates are low and, and we're feeling good about the general economy, we sell a lot of cars. Clearly, well, so, 2017 shows that. So that was good. So everything was good in 2017, and in 2018, all of a sudden, not so much. Somebody hit the brakes in the car business. How did that happen? It's funny. I did think you see changed. that little play in words that I did? See, that's that's I like why that. I, I like get the that. big money to be in it. Hit the brakes in the car. Okay, I'll keep moving. Very punny. Very. Uh, thank you. Very good. So now, uh, what do you think has changed in 2018? I mean, we've got a tax cut. I mean, things are supposed to be good, right? But the consumer's not buying it. Is it the higher rates? Why? Why is it slowing? So there's several ways to answer that question. I think you know, obviously, rates have a big impact in what we do. You know, on, on a surface level, if someone's in our showroom, if someone's in the market to buy a car, is a 25 basis point, 50 basis point jump in a rate going to deter a decision or, or, or lose a sale? The reality is it's not. I mean, we're going to find a way to, to make that deal and to find a payment that works for the customer. And that's, that's, that's our job to do that. Our issue is, is more so it's, it's the confidence that we can't measure. When people come in to buy a car, is, are they thinking, uh, in terms of the affordability, when you go to sell them a car, you'd say, what payment can you afford? And you try and figure out how to do that. Or do they have a sticker price? And do they come in and say, There's a, that's a $21,000 car. I'll give you $19,000 for it. I mean, how do people buy? Most people buy cars when they come yeah, in. Yeah, so the reality is the, the high majority, I would say, it's probably 80%. Um, they finance their vehicles. And like everybody else, you know, we're on a budget. Yeah. So it's the idea is meeting, you know, meeting a budget and meeting a payment that, that suits their needs. And 
whether the car is 20000 or 60000 it's it's the payment that we're trying to get after, and obviously they're trying to get after, too. Well, and you're seeing things slow in 2018. Tell us what slow means, because we've seen some weaker numbers from some of the— even though these weaker numbers, some of them beat expectations, because expectations really weren't all that great for car sales. Car sales, by the way, and truck sales and pickup truck sales have been really on fire. They certainly were in 2017. So maybe they just sold a whole hell of a lot of them in 2017, and people don't need as many of them in 2018. I I mean, I certainly hope not. That's, uh, that's that wouldn't not be good idea. for longevity. But well, that means that in another year or so, they're going to all those people who bought them last year are going to need new ones, right? I mean, we, we they they do get old. They do break. It's a good thing about your business. So we like to lease cars. Leasing is is uh, it's a good model for us and for the customer, surely. So it's it's a retention type deal. You make more money on a lease than a than a purchase. It's not that we make more money, but it's uh, it gets you a customer back in three years. So every three a, years, you know, the average loan now is is five six years, and the lease is three years. So in three years' time, you're seeing that customer again. Well, if they buy the car, you're going to see them, hopefully, if you treat them right, you know, in five years, six years. So, And that on that cycle, you would see them three times in a 10-year cycle as opposed to twice. Correct. Uh, that's, uh, that's a lot better. I got that. Okay, see, even I got that part. So uh, when you said it's weaker, and when you say weaker in 2018, how much weaker, percentages-wise, how many you know, sort of sales, how many fewer sales and percentages do you see? So, again, I can speak with most confidence about Chevrolet and and, and General Motors. Um, You know, in in April, for example, our store is – we were down probably 12% plus over uh, over last year, and it's it's not like it's – you know, when that happens, you look around and you say, is it is it us or is it is it the product? Is it the market? What is it? Right. And and while some manufacturers like Fiat Chrysler is uh, that's that's a real number. You know, we represent uh, three of those stores as well, and, and they're up. That's that's real. Um, with Chevrolet and General Motors, it's it seems that it's a it's a, it's not just us, which is it's it's good to feel that we're not doing something wrong, but it's a reflection of product. I don't know. So a little bit weaker, uh, April over April. What do you guys have to do about that? Do you reduce inventory? I'm just interested from a business model. Do you reduce inventory? Do you start carrying fewer cars on the lot? I mean, it's a great does, question. Does that start a bad cycle if you have less inventory out there for people to look at, or what? what how it, do you make be, that call? It can be destructive. So you know, talking about interest rates and, and rising rates, when we when we sell cars and we inventory cars, it's all they're all financed. So it's you know it's called floor plan. You know, a one percent rise in rates when we have would be a hundred million dollars of uh, of inventory that's uh, floor planned, and in, in, in my direct group, it's a million dollars a year. So you have a hundred million dollar floor plan in a group, and a one percent rise in rate of a hundred million would be amazing. So, so I got the, it. So that's so a the, big the, deal. The rationale, that's obviously, a cost. Is, yeah, absolutely. It's and a so, direct cost. So inventory and 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 how we stock cars, how we order cars. Because you have to pay for all those cars out on that lot, in, in that fancy showroom. We got to pay for all those. Got to pay for it there. somehow. So yeah, uh, we have to be stricter with how we order cars, and so our supply is down. I mean, we're when we would stock maybe a four month supply on the ground in 2017 with a higher rate. Maybe we do a three-month supply, and as a result, we sell less cars. We sell, you sell some fewer cars, sure. you, but it, you, you have to do what you have to do to, st- to make sure that you're making reasonable financial decisions. That'll keep you there when those customers come I've, back. I've got to, I've got to maintain a fifth generation, so we've got to keep the lights on. Fifth generation at Orsman Automotive. Robert Orsman, you are awesome to come in. And as a disclosure, I should uh, absolutely say that I uh, am a very small investor in a few of the Orsman stores. Smart man. Uh, it, 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 yeah, I, I told your father I write him big checks and he writes me small ones. Uh, 
it, it, it seems to uh, be a good plan to work with uh, my friend Bobby Orsman. Robert Orsman, terrific, and I think that the Orsman uh, franchise is in very good hands. I hope you'll come back to the forecast because this is important for us to see what's going on in the local economy. We're going to see if these numbers are reflected, too, in the broader economy. Brings us to the other end, I can't believe it, of a forecast. Uh, we thank you so much for joining us. Please remember that if you think you've heard any recommendations to buy or sell a security on the forecast, you haven't. If you think that you should make a change in your portfolio, your asset allocation, or any of your investment strategy based on anything you've heard on this show, please don't. Please consult. We haven't made that recommendation. So please consult with a financial consultant, a financial professional, or if we could be helpful, we'd be delighted to be helpful. Give us a call at Farr, Miller, and Washington at www.farmiller.com. So i got an amazing show for you coming up again next week. This has been terrific. Thank you so much for staying with us. Keep the cards and letters coming in Washington, D.C. For the Farcast, I'm Michael Farr.